This audio download is the extended version of the Family Life Today radio program. Your download is made possible by Family Life Legacy Partners. Honey, let's do something fun tonight. Yeah. Uh, How about let's watch some TV? No, 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 no. I was thinking more of like a, a game. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think the game's on right now. I am not talking about a TV game. I'm talking about a board game. Oh. You know, a board game with the kids. Yeah. Okay, if not a board game, how about we read to them? Oh, that would be so great. Yeah. I know. We could do that after the game. Which game? The game. On TV, it's, it's starting right now. So, how about it? You get the family together, you watch a little TV. Does that qualify as family time? Not according to Barbara Rainey. But why not? Well, there really are several reasons. One of them is because I feel like it's not a relational time. It's not building family unity and togetherness. We may be sitting together in the same room, but it's not building our family. It's not uh, allowing for communication uh, between us. And it it takes us away from doing other things that I feel like are more important that we could be doing either together as a family or even individually for that matter. And this is Family Life Today for Tuesday, July 17th. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. There may be a media monster on the loose at your house. So what do you do to get rid of it? Stay tuned. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Tuesday edition. Just the fact that you have media in your home doesn't mean you've got a monster in your home. But in a lot of homes, uh, whether it's the Internet or the television or other forms of media, things have gotten a little out of control. In fact, we're going to be encouraging our listeners next month to uh, enjoy a fast from television. We'll talk more about that in coming days here on our program. But uh, I, I was thinking as we've been talking this week about teenagers and some of the challenge they face, media is one of those challenges. And one of the reasons that things like this are a challenge for our sons and our daughters in the teen years is because their body gets to a point of adulthood before their mind and their emotions catch up. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they're not ready in their character, their emotions, their value system, or their spiritual maturity to be able to handle what's being thrown at them. And I think one of the biggest mistakes parents make today is they start looking at these young boys and girls who begin to form adult bodies. Mm -hmm. They begin to look at us eye to eye. Their height is up there, Mm -hmm. and we begin to make some dangerous assumptions that just because they look like an adult, they're beginning to even take on some adult mannerisms, that does not mean they are an adult. And that's why God, I believe, has given parents to teenagers that we as as adults uh, need to be careful about taking our hand off the plow. Mm-hmm. We need to keep both our hands on the plow and keep our eyes fixed on the goal and keep headed 
straight down the row mm-hmm. and and persevere, not give up. Don't give in to these desires that can fluctuate with teenagers. Barbara, as you look around, you can't help but see parents who seem to be letting go of the plow uh, much earlier than they ought to be. Kids getting to the age of 9, 10, 11, 12, and parents are feeling like, well, our job is pretty much done. Yeah, I think there are a lot of parents who are letting go way too soon, and I think we see it all around us. Kids have so much freedom today. They're let loose at the mall, and they're wandering around, and they they don't have the supervision that I think they need at that age. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked last week about the trap of peer pressure and how it snares kids. We talked about sexual immorality, and we've talked about dating. And one of the things we've realized as we've talked particularly about sexual immorality and dating is that those impulses in teenagers are being fed by the trap we're going to be talking about today, and that is the media. Yeah, and you know, the choices that are before young people today are are enormous. If a child has an hour or two to, to spare, think of what he has a choice between. There's books, magazines, newspapers, mail, junk mail, radio, mm-hmm. television, cable TV, Email, computer software, computer games, video games, Mm -hmm. and then there's the Internet. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like sometimes the Internet is trying to take over all of our homes, Mm -hmm. offering the world to our children who sit in front of computer screens to be entertained by choices that in many cases are evil. In, In the book that the two of you have written, Parenting Today's Adolescent, you say that when it comes to media, we live in a media driven world. And for parents, we have to look not only at what our children are choosing to consume, but in what quantity. It's not just an issue, Barbara, right. of uh, what they're they're involved with, but the amount of time they're investing in media-related activity. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be really careful as parents that we don't allow our kids to just veg out in with media, whether it's a computer or music or television or radio or whatever, mm-hmm. and become – static and become uh, just like a vegetable and just be there. I think kids this age still need lots of activity. They need lots of they just need a lot of variety in their lives and they don't need to be consumed with all this uh, information that's out there via media. Mm-hmm. You know, I am so glad I'm married to this woman because I think I would have been the original veg. <laughs> <laughs> Early on in our marriage, she would uh, walk in when we had no children. Right. And she would circle my easy chair that I was uh, trying to watch the game of the weekend on Saturday. And she would circle that chair, Barbara would, Mm kind of like I was roadkill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a little bit like a buzzard. You probably looked a little like roadkill. I probably did. (laughs) (laughs) And she was letting me know in no uncertain terms that this was a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And early on, Barbara (laughs) began to shape our family's media diet. And she put me on that diet, and and it was a point of contention early in our marriage, and and occasionally can still be that in our in our family, because uh, we do have different habits and different styles when it comes to media. But there are some women who are listening to the broadcast who feel sometimes that they need to apologize to their husbands for feeling the way they feel about the amount of media coming into your homes. And I just want to encourage you, women, stand strong, stand firm, don't nag. Don't harp at your husband. But you know what? Don't give in either. Hang tough and keep the standard up there because what you two decide on as a couple will establish, listen carefully, it will establish the environment 
for your home. You know, Mary Ann's had great influence on my thinking in this subject as well, and I don't know if it's just something related to to masculinity, you know, that uh, remote control fixation that all of us have <laughs> as men, but I think there is something about uh, women calling us to uh, back to a biblical standard, and the Scripture does speak, Dennis, to this issue of uh, how we consume media, even though they didn't have cable TV in David's day. That's right. Uh, Psalm 101 is one of my favorite psalms. At the top of it, I have written the word in integrity. And it speaks, I think, of what we allow to come into our soul through the eye gate. Mm -hmm. And you could add the ear to this, although it's primarily speaking, I believe, to what we set before our eyes. It says in verse 2, I will give heed to the blameless way. Now, repeatedly in this series that we're doing on dealing with traps, we call parents to stay out of the trap. Mm -hmm. We have to set the standard. Mm-hmm. We have to model what we're challenging our children to do. And the psalmist said, I will begin by giving heed to the blameless way. He goes on, when wilt thou come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. How does he do that? Verse 3, he says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. There's the picture there, I believe, of a trap that a man or a woman can walk off into, and it fastens its grip on a dad. And before long, we become the gateway into our children's lives for them to be able to justify their diet of all these media choices that Mm -hmm. they have. Uh, Down in verse 6, the last part of that verse makes a profound statement I believe that every parent needs to grab hold of. He says, He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. Mm. A parent needs to realize that we as fathers and mothers are the ones who need to walk in a blameless way because our model will give credence to our words. Mm -hmm. And that means the choices we make do have an impact on uh, our children as they approach adolescence. That's an important time. Uh, Those years preceding adolescence, you don't just train an adolescent in the middle of the teenage years. You've got to do it in those uh, those elementary years as well. Barbara, that's a great point. A lot of people establish media habits when their kids are two, three, four. It may be uh, that the kids grow up sitting in front of Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's pretty hard to pull that back around and try and set new standards when their tastes change from Big Bird to uh, <laughs> to yeah. uh, the latest PG-13 movie that all our friends are watching. Yeah, and the parents need to be careful that they don't use the television or movies or anything else for that matter excessively in the uh, training of their kids or in the babysitting of their kids mm-hmm. because that's it's convenient. And I, if I'd had some of this stuff, I probably would have been tempted to use it more as well. But we just need to be careful as moms and dads that we're thinking through not just the convenience of the moment, but what is this teaching my child long term and what kind of a pattern am I setting? Mm-hmm. I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask Barbara to share with our listeners why she has been so ruthless <laughs> about media in our family. Well, there really are several reasons. One of them is because I feel like it's not a relational time. Because when we are all watching a movie or all watching TV, or some of us are anyway, because we don't necessarily all do it together very often, but it's not a dialogue. It's not a relationship. It's not building 
uh, family unity and, and uh, togetherness. We may be sitting together in the same room, but it's not building our family. It's not uh, allowing for communication uh, between us. And it, it takes us away from doing other things that I feel like are more important that we could be doing either together as a family or even individually for that matter. And Bob, I think that's why uh, it's so important that the husbands here their wives as these wives domesticate us Mm -hmm. and help tame the barbarian and help us men understand that relationships are what make families and that we need to listen to our wives carefully. Why? Because they're the ones that are trying to help bring all these random people together in a cohesive unit. And if if you allow it, media will become the altar uh, where we worship. Mm-hmm. It'll become the focal point of our homes. The other night I had found a, a great new site on the internet, had a lot of really interesting stuff, and I was I was clicking from link to link to see what uh, all was there when I heard my wife behind me say, well, good night. And it was said in that way as to indicate, <laughs> you vegetable, <laughs> you vegetable. Come out on the vegetable garden, oh, you vegetable. <laughs> and, and I looked at the screen and it was it was calling my name and saying, there's another great site. And here was my wife saying, I give up. I've lost to, to the machine again <laughs> tonight. Mm-hmm. And I had to make that hard decision to go down to the left-hand corner and click the the uh, shut-off button down there mm-hmm. and uh, go and have a little conversation with one whom I had been uh, neglecting throughout the evening. Mm-hmm. Barbara, you're, you're, you're nodding. I'm like... nodding. I'm going, way to go, Mary It couldn't be this husband that she's married to. I don't know way who she's yeah. saying uh-huh about. Well, in addition to, to what we model for our children, you've taken some pretty aggressive steps to set some boundaries, some standards for your children in all different areas of media consumption. Give us some ideas, for example, of uh, TV viewing. Uh, what's acceptable and how much, Barbara? Well, we we generally do not allow our kids to watch television during the school week unless it is something that is very highly educational, which is rare, mm-hmm. very, very rare. So we really just try to keep it off during the school week, for the kids, that is. And then on the weekends, there's not a whole lot that's real great then either, although as our kids have gotten older and there's been a lot more sport things on TV that my girls have been interested in, like ice skating. They've Mm -hmm. been watching more of that kind of thing uh, recently than they had years ago. But we just really limit it. And if if there is going to be TV viewing on the weekend for the kids, I mean, it's limited to an hour or two. Mm -hmm. And if if they're sitting in front of the TV all afternoon watching this ice skating thing and I realize it's been over an hour, I'll walk in and say, hey, look, girls. This is it. You can finish the next, you know, program and it's off and that's it for the day. Why? Why after an hour are you saying we're done? Well, usually because there's so many other things that are a better use of their time. I just don't feel like it's it's teaching them anything. It's, they're not learning anything. It's simply vegetating in front of the TV. They're just sitting there. They could be cleaning their rooms. They could be reading a book. They could be playing on the trampoline together. They could be I mean, zillions of things, writing letters. I mean, it just goes on and on. And obviously, they don't want to quit watching TV to go do chores. But um, Hmm. there are a lot of other things that they can be doing besides that. They could play a game together. I mean, Mm -hmm. families used to play board games together or used Mm -hmm. to do a lot of those kinds of things together as a group. 
And families don't do that anymore. So now they turn off the TV and go get on the computer and play yeah. a, a video. Yeah, oh, well, that's happened. I've said turn off the TV, and the next thing I know, Deborah's sitting in there in front of the TV, and I go, well, I'm in the computer, and I think, oh, well, that didn't work. Uh, yeah, I've <laughs> lost this one again. All of this, though, is based upon one of our core convictions when it comes to media, mm-hmm. and that conviction is we as parents have the responsibility and the right to screen and set limits to all the different forms of media consumed by our family. Mm-hmm. In other words, we don't have the luxury of being passive. And I think the easiest thing for a man to do in this deal is to delegate it to his wife and let her do it and not be a protector uh, of his family. Mm-hmm. But instead, we have to guard our own hearts, as the Proverbs tells us, and then we have to guard our children's hearts in protecting them from the different forms of media that come into your home. And that begins with limiting uh, what comes in. And then whatever does come in there, I think uh, moms and dads need to monitor and pay Mm -hmm. careful attention to the values that are represented in those particular forms of media. For instance, if your child's playing a computer game, as I've watched Samuel do on occasion when he was uh, a teenager and wasn't in college at that time, I remember, and and this is a personal failure, I I will uh, probably go to my grave feeling like I compromised here, but somehow he got some kind of computer game that was, it wasn't blood and guts, but there was a lot of blood, Mm -hmm. okay? And they were shoot them up, bang, bang game, and you'd slay all these creatures and stuff. And I was watching him do this. And you know what? I believe I compromised. I really do. I did not step in there and say, Samuel, that game has no place in our home. Hmm. Instead, something about his age, maybe something about the peer pressure and all the other boys that he ran around with, and maybe it was just a soft place in my heart for him. I don't know, but I I kept letting him play this game. And you know what? I'll, I'll look back on that and wonder if I shouldn't have stepped in there earlier and said, absolutely not. Because of the time involved or because of the content of the game or what? I think both. I mean, he spent a lot of hours mm-hmm. playing that game. But more importantly, I think, was the content of the game. Uh, it wasn't anything sexually immoral. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any language problems on the game. It just was a guy was walking. killing people It was just walk, walking in killing people mm-hmm. and spilling uh, blood all over the computer screen. I think what we're talking about is what Paul says in Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I think that's a good standard for us to apply as parents to video uh, games that our kids play, like this one that Samuel played, or TV uh, shows or movies or music or any form of media. We need to train our children that what they think about, what they expose themselves to, needs to be pure and holy and wholesome. And if it's not, they need to question and think about it. You know, here's a double-edged sword, and you mentioned it. Sometimes there are good educational programs on TV. Uh, The Internet provides a wonderful resource for getting information for term papers that are coming up. There is positive benefit associated with almost every kind of media, and as parents— we can't just uh, isolate ourselves and go right. back to typewriters and uh, mm-hmm. and candles. We have to acknowledge the fact that there's benefit and we can redeem the media. Yeah, and, and there's where as parents we need to do what Solomon did with his son as he taught him to be discerning. We need to teach our children to listen carefully to the values, the messages, and what's being said in the music – 
on the Internet, in the movie. And our children have grown weary of this stuff with us as parents. I mean, they would have voted us out of office a long time <laughs> ago because we, we would go to a movie that we, we did approve of that was uh, appropriate, and we'd, we'd walk out of there, and on our way home, we would be talking about the messages that were in that movie mm-hmm. and what uh, the underlying values that uh, were being represented in the storyline. Mm-hmm. And our children go, Dad, it was a great movie. Just enjoy. Just leave it alone. Just yeah. leave it alone, Dad. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to leave it alone. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. And you know what? They may not like it right now, but someday I believe as they grow into adulthood, they're going to be far more discerning. In fact, mm-hmm. it's already begun to occur. I'm mm-hmm. watching Samuel. He is being far more discerning about his movies, and, he, and I'm smiling big time because I'm hearing some of those same statements come from his lips that initiated from ours mm-hmm. when we challenged him to consider what were those messages. And I think another thing, too, Bob, is ask your children questions. Hold them accountable for what they're viewing, what they're looking at, and make sure what they're doing on the Internet is that they're not sneaking around. They're not watching something they shouldn't be looking at. You mentioned this earlier, but one of the challenges we face as parents today is that it seems like we've got to be an expert on every area of pop culture. I mean, your child comes home and says, I got the new CD from so-and-so, and and you've never heard of so-and-so, and you don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, or... I want to go see this particular movie. And you've never heard of the movie. You don't know anything about the movie. All you know is that your child says that so-and-so from church, their parents are letting them go see it. And for all you know, so-and-so from church is telling his parents that you're letting your child go see it. And so both of you wind up letting your son or your daughter go see something that you otherwise would not approve of. And I've been grateful that there are resources on the internet, I know Focus on the Family has a website called Plugged In Online, and they do movie reviews. And so we can go there and look ahead of time and see what the themes are in the movies, what the objectionable elements are. There are other websites that uh, that do the same kind of thing. And I had one of my children come to me not long ago and said, can I see this movie? I, my friend went to see it. And my friend said that there are only a couple of bad words in the movie. And I said, well, let's Let's check this out. We'll go to the web and see what we can find out. And it turned out there weren't just a few bad words, but there were 20 or 25 bad words in this movie, including some that are fully inappropriate for children. And I showed this to my teenager and I said, you know, isn't that interesting? Uh, I, I think a lot of these words have become so common that your friend has become desensitized to what he was hearing. One of the things we sought to do in the book was give parents a better understanding of all the rating systems, both for television for uh, movies and uh, other forms of media that they can mm-hmm. look over so that they can be uh, uh, better appraised. You know, there are there are ratings for computer games, mm-hmm. and parents need to know what those ratings mean. Most of us are unaware of what those, um, of what those ratings stand for uh, on a box that contains a computer game that you may spend anywhere from $40 to $50 for. Mm-hmm. And one thing I would add to all these ratings, I, I don't trust them. <laughs> After I've said... Here they are, and this is a form of measurement. Um, most of these ratings are, are far too generous, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, they represent what's happening in our culture, the moral dumbing down of our nation. Mm-hmm. And as parents, I think what we've got to do is ultimately train our children to be young men and women who are discerning. 
it could destroy their lives if, if we don't raise teenagers today to have a, a godly discernment about what they allow in their minds and their hearts. And I just want to say, too, that I think it's important that as, as parents that we remember that there's so much more that our kids need besides just information and just entertainment. Our kids need to be playing, they need to be exercising, they need to be outside, and they need to be building relationships. And so much time spent consuming media cuts that avenue mm-hmm. of their life off, and it's an important part of their development that we dare not ignore. Thanks for listening. To find additional downloads on this or other program topics, visit our website at familylife.com.